Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast. I'm your host, Misty Little. This week's episode was recorded back in early November, but it has taken me until now to post the episode. Unfortunately, a combination of recording with Skype and my microphone caused a mess of the recording, which was resulted in a bunch of beeps, buzzes, and clicks throughout the recording. Needless to say, the episode was heavily edited. I went literally second by second to edit out as best as I could the extra noise, but you're going to hear some of it interspersed throughout that, and I'm very, very sorry. So I did my best, and I hope you can forgive the messy audio this go-around. I didn't want to re-record because my conversation with guest Nicole Poole, a gardener in Houston, was a good one. Nicole began her journey uh, gardening in northeast Louisiana before venturing with her family to locales such as South Korea and Dubai, where she attempted to learn to garden and learn about the local culture. She's now back in Houston, growing edibles and ornamentals, and looks forward to gardening, to expanding her gardening knowledge. If you like today's episode, or any of the episodes so far, could you please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes, or subscribing to the podcast there, or Stitcher, or Google Play. I'm also adding the podcast to YouTube, where I'll be posting the episodes, but also I'll be posting gardening videos once or twice a week. It's kind of a new challenge for me to document my garden a little more this year um, because I haven't done that as much in recent years. I hope you'll pop over there and check the videos out and subscribe. Um, You can visit it via bit.ly forward slash two lowercase i capital M capital L capital T capital Q nine. (laughs) I know that's a little confusing so it will be in the show notes as well but if you are listening and wanted to write that down there you go. In addition, you can always find me on Instagram at the Garden Path Podcast, and you can email me at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com. So thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. Messy noise and all. Bye. We'll just start over if you want to okay, uh, go ahead and tell everybody who you are and where you garden and how long you've been gardening. Okay, so I'm Nicole, and I'm currently gardening in Katy, um, which is really on the Katie Fulcher line um, in a rather large subdivision out this way. Um, It's zone 8B slash 9A. We're kind of on the line. It sort of depends on the year. I've been gardening since around 2005 is when I had my first garden. Um, So about 12 or 14-ish years, give or take, off and on. Um, so yeah. And you said you started in Louisiana. Yeah. So the first garden that I had that was just my garden was, um, in Northeast Louisiana, about 20 or so miles from, from where I grew up. Um, and it was like a row, a row teal type garden. Cause that's what I knew. Um, right. yeah. so we, um, we bought some property there. And uh, we built a greenhouse and a large garden. We planted, gosh, 50 or 60 different trees and just went all out all at once. And what kind of trees were you planting? Like pecans and that kind of thing? No, um, we planted up our driveway there because we were probably a good quarter mile from the road. from the main highway there. Um, we planted Bradford pears and crepe myrtles. Um, mm-hmm. But we planted a lot of fruit trees too. We started like a little mini orchard. So we had plums, pears. I think there may have been a couple of apples. 
But mostly, mostly plums. Okay. And um, I know you said the rotel. I mean, that's kind of like what most people think of when they're gardening uh, these days is, or at least beginning is starting off as a as a tilling garden. Um, so yes. And was that successful for you, or how did that Actually, work? it was. It was successful. I mean, being that it was our first garden, I mean, I think our yields were pretty good that year. Um, the only problem was is I'm kind of lazy when it comes to that, and I just didn't like hoeing and pulling weeds and and I was just you know I finally looked at my husband and said there's got to be a better way like there just really has to be a better way um and so we did some research and I read a lot of blogs then um and I I come across uh one of my you know online friends were putting in a garden and they were doing the met lighter I think that's how you pronounce it um and so the next year, that's what we did. We did that same thing. Um, so it's like a 18 inches wide by 18 inches tall. And you fill those with um, sawdust and sand. So it's kind of along the same lines of square foot gardening with a little bit. I mean, it's just sort of a mixture of everything. But um, it's, it's mainly a... I would say it's like a mixture of square foot gardening and maybe hydroponics because it takes a lot of water for that system. Yeah, I tried to, when you told me that method, I'd never heard of it before. And it was actually, I didn't really find a whole heck of a lot on it. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of went by the wayside since square foot gardening has become so popular. But basically it's 18 inches by 18 inches and you, those are normally built. I think you started in like South America or Africa where the ground's just really bad and you can't grow anything because it's like clay soil and rocks. And, and so they wanted to, he came up with this system to really get the water to the roots. Um, and mm -hmm. so, you know, you wouldn't have maybe a deep tap root system, but you would have lots of little smaller roots in, in the vegetable plants. Um, but you just really have to keep the water going to them. Wow. So were you out there watering no, by hand? No, we, had, a, we had an irrigation <laughs> system. So there was a PVC pipe that ran the entire length of the box, uh, but over the top, not underneath. Um, and so we just mm -hmm. had like little valves at each box. So each box could be turned on separately. Um, and it was okay. just like little pinholes in the PVC pipe. It, it was a little more than like your drip style, but it worked really, really well. Um, and so as we did that the first year, I mean, the plants were massive because it's also a vertical type gardening system. Um, so the plants were mm -hmm. massive. They were just really big. But being that we were in the northeast of, of Louisiana, we, we found that the system required a lot more of, um, you know, water from from the, so we were on city water at the time, if you want to call city water in Northeast Louisiana, but yeah. <laughs> town water <laughs> right. is probably more Public accurate. Water. But um, we were just spending a lot on irrigation and we really didn't need it, you know, because we get a lot of rainfall up that way. So over time, right. what we did, because we started with sand and sawdust, 
and but over time we just started adding compost to those beds and, and it ended up being you know square foot gardening for the most part um okay but we sold that place so we only i think i only grew there two three spring seasons maybe okay and i guess since you i mean you started a place was it pretty difficult to uproot yourself like that you, you put in a well, lot of work i, I should go and, back and, and say in between moving there and building the house we closed the house in so the inside wasn't finished the outside was finished and we packed up and we moved to South Korea for about two years. And then we came back and finished the house and the garden and all of that. So, yeah. Wow. But, yes, it was. It, it, it wasn't so much the house itself. It, it was the land, the property. It was sort of our dream property. You know, it was a big pond. There was a creek. There was some woods, mostly pasture. And it was kind of rolling hill, you know. Um, but, yeah, I... We did. We we uh, we packed up and moved to Dubai, and we kept the house for a year. And when I came back that summer after being away for a year, I was like, you know what? We're doing this house an injustice because it's just sitting here. And as as much as my family tried to help out with the upkeep, you know, it was lots of decking and things like that um, around the house. And it was just going downhill really quickly. So the best thing for the house and for the property was to sell it. Yeah, I can't imagine living on a property like that. And I mean, yeah, definitely the upkeep would <laughs> yeah. totally go to <laughs> not keeping the pastures kept yeah, uh, up. Yeah, we had neighbors that had put their horses on there. The entire thing, uh, we had not finished fencing all of it. So I would say probably only 10 acres, maybe 15 acres was fenced. Um, the rest of it was still open, and we used that for hay meadows. So we had... Uh, goats chickens ducks uh we had our beef cows there you know half the year um things like that so it, it was more about the land the garden the animals that was the hardest part it wasn't necessarily the house you know because it's just a house um right. but yeah it was really yeah. difficult it, it was it was very sad to me <laughs> And so, yeah, you said yeah. you lived in South Korea and Dubai. Um, did you I garden in South Korea or Dubai? You know, South Korea was really strange. Um, we loved it there, but so for the first year, we lived in like a row house. It's kind of like a townhouse, and I had a small backyard, and I was so excited when we got there because there was this massive rosemary bush in the backyard. I don't know. I, I bet whomever planted it didn't even know what they had planted. They probably thought it was a shrub. But um, no, not so much in Korea because you just could, you couldn't find seeds, you couldn't find plants. And they, they only grew cabbage, carrots, some lettuce, onions, and onions. And that was it. Like that, when you walked into the grocery store or even the open markets, that was pretty much all you were going to get as far as vegetables. So it was really vegetable war there. I mean, I'm kind of surprised. I figured there would be a lot of tropical fruit and things like that. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, no, 
And, and yeah, I always thought it was strange too. Um, you could get bananas and apples and oranges, and I thatched that in, you know, ten years ago. I've heard it better um, now in the area, but we were we were on Koji Island, which is as far south of Korea as you can possibly get. Where we were actually closer to Japan than we were to Seoul, um, so it was pretty remote uh, at the time. The only way you could get there from the mainland of South Korea was a ferry. Oh. They they've sent they've since built a, a massive bridge now but at the time it was just the ferry okay now did you did you get to travel much inside korea to see you know we didn't um and i regret that we went to the philippines uh, i'm trying to think where else we went maybe thailand because we've been to thailand a few times but no we didn't uh we we had a huge trip to china planned um and we found out we had to come back so we ended up having to cancel that trip but no that was really my first experience traveling at all as a child, we didn't really go anywhere. Uh, the farm took up all of our parents' time. So we just really, we didn't go anywhere. And so moving to South Korea was a huge culture shock uh, for me. So, and then at the time, my husband was traveling back and forth to the States and to China and Hong Kong and um, different places like that. So he wasn't around a lot. And I was a bit timid then. Yeah. Not now. <laughs> now I would have, you know, now I would just land there like I've, you know, lived there my whole life. And, and see and do everything but no we didn't unfortunately i mean around close uh, the island elf yeah we hiked a lot and things like that but we didn't travel korea much i had a two-year-old at the time so oh yeah that would be kind of difficult too yeah <laughs> yeah and how um dubai I, I you know we when we when we landed in dubai it was hot we moved there in may and it was so incredibly hot but i thought you know what this is great we moved into a house it was a subdivision just like what you would see here in katie very similar um i thought you know what we can garden here year round this is going to be fantastic but there's no bees mm. i learned it so so I smuggled in, well, I, it was legal, but I always joke and say I smuggled seeds in. Uh, I would bring in squash seeds, zucchini. You could find seeds there, and we did try to try the seeds that we bought there, but I think, you know, nobody was really doing it. So I, they were old, and the germination wasn't really great. Um, so if my mom came over, she would bring seeds, and I would bring some every time we came. But anything that needed to be pollinated just did not make and for two different seasons so I would mostly garden in the winter there because the temperatures were cooler in the summer it was just so hot nothing would really grow except uh, you know tropicals right uh, but so in the winter time I would try to garden and, and for two different winters I tried to hand pollinate the squash and cucumbers and that sort of thing and they, you know I think I maybe got four out of the two seasons that I tried to grow them so so I finally gave up and we just grew a lot of herbs and we had a Filipino nanny at the time and so she would grow things like um, lemongrass um, I actually have a cutting of her lemongrass growing in my garden now oh, that's neat um, and they had uh, let's see a certain tree that they they eat the leaves from I'm sure you've seen it it starts with an M um, I'm not really good with with names unless I write them down so yeah 
I've seen it in the news or you know online and news articles and stuff a lot. Oh uh, well, I tropical. I'm thinking of as mango steam, but I don't know if you can eat the leaves. No, no, it, uh, it starts with an A, A C A C I A or something oh, like that. Oh, acai or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got like mm-hmm. little, little frilly leaves. Yes. Um, so she um, she found a tree somewhere in the neighborhood and she cut off a piece of it and she stuck it in our garden and it grew and then we moved to another house while we were in Dubai and she did the same thing so everywhere we went she brought it with us and when we left Dubai from this two foot stick that she planted I think that tree was probably 10 foot tall when we left in a a, a year but of course everything in Dubai is artificially watered I mean if you're lucky you will see rain twice a year or two days out of the year right um so everything's watered with uh, desalinated water. So, you know, it's really bad. And you can tell it with the plants. Um, like when we did have the squash growing, you could really see it on the leaves, you know, um, the, the salt damage. And they were lacking nutrients were probably lacking too. Yeah, yeah. And it was, they had some garden centers and things there, but they, the only fertilizer you could get was NPK. You know, your standard, uh, I don't know, maybe it was like a triple 13 or something like that. And that's what they fertilized everything in the city with. Um, So you were pretty limited. You didn't see a lot of compost or organic fertilizers or anything like that. Um, Now, the last year we were there, things like CSA boxes and your organic uh, farm to table kind of thing was, was really booming there. Um, and, and we joined a CSA um, for probably about five or six months. And I got to thinking, I thought, you know, where this is not coming from here. Like, they advertised it that it was, but like, there's no way. Like, how are you growing cucumbers inside a greenhouse? I can't get them to grow outside in a pot. You know, where are the bees and, and how are you doing this? So I think a lot of the greens and lettuces and, you know, radish and beets and things like that, yeah, they were growing and they were doing a really great job of, but everything else was shipped in. Um, and you didn't, where are there any, other, a lot of other gardeners? I mean, just even flower gardeners or. Yeah. All of the houses were landscaped with, uh, just massive amounts of tropical plants. Most of them came from, uh, probably Thailand, the Philippines, things like that, that are native to those areas. There was Vinca and Lantanas and, uh, what are those things called? Bougainvillea. Bougainvillea. Yeah. Yes. Those things were everywhere. Um, And then the grass that they grew there was uh, a Bermuda type. It's just funny, all these tropical plants in a a water-starved country. (laughs) I know, but a lot of the subdivisions, it was, you know, they had similar HOAs, and and you had to have a garden. Wow. Um, And it always really, really bugged me. Yeah, that's just just very interesting. Huh. Yeah, but, I mean, it was gorgeous. Uh, The other thing, too, that that was there, and and we had two of them in the second house that we lived in, was uh, the date palms. Oh, yeah. Um, So that was, you know, they they love the dates and um, so you would see the gardeners up tying 
and the the mesh around the dates as they were blooming um, to hold them, you know, until harvest. Right. So that was that was pretty cool. Huh. Uh, but that to me, really, that that was the only you know garden food source type of plant that people were planting was the date palms. Mm-hmm. No, the bees. Did they just not have native bees there? Or you know what? I tried to research that several different times, and I would just give up. No, I think they do because the first house we lived in, I found uh, like an open hive in one of the shrubs and it, it really didn't look like a wasp. Mm-hmm. And so the only information that I could find was they do have a little bitty tiny honeybee type, right? but but they're more, but it's an open, you know, more of what you would see a hive in the wild, in the tree. Right. Um, what are, I don't even know what you would call those, but like the paper type hive okay. that, that would be more like a waspy looking hive you know right um but there were no bugs um and i remember after being in dubai i don't know probably a year maybe two we came home to louisiana and we were sitting outside with my brother and his wife one night and i was just like why is it so loud It is so incredibly loud, and I was really confused. And so I stopped, and I thought a minute, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the bugs, it's the crickets, it's the frogs, you know, it's all these things that we don't have there. Hmm. So I don't, I really don't know. I, I grew frustrated, um, and then we moved to do two different homes, and the second home we had to install the grass and all the tropicals, and I, I just kind of maybe jaded, you know. Right. Like, we have this great weather and I can't grow anything here kind of deal but I mean we did we did grow lettuce and herbs and things like that right. so yeah things that but in are. containers right yeah things that didn't need to be pollinated in containers um with really really expensive compost that we managed to find I think we were paying like close to twenty dollars for a 20 pound bag oh or my something. gosh yeah that was insanity <laughs> wow. but I have to say that Dubai did a really fantastic job of bringing in lots of roots and vegetables for their, you know, um, grocery stores and things. Um, while we were there, um, we came back to Louisiana again and I went to the grocery store with my mom and it made me really sad that in the middle of the desert, they had more fresh produce and hundreds of different types of fruits and vegetables and my mom had like 10 apples to choose from to bring home so it it was it was quite sad you know that a a place like that in in the middle of the desert had managed to to do such a great job um for their citizens there Mm -hmm. but they did it it was it was pretty amazing to walk into a grocery store there huh that's cool and like you said kind of disenchanting too (laughs) thinking about it was (laughs) other places that should be able to have that kind of diversity. Exactly. So where my mom and them live, they still live in Northeast Louisiana and uh, they're very rural and I would say that it's a food desert there, which is really sad. You know, they have one, two grocery stores now, but like I said, you know, you have five heads of lettuce to choose from and maybe 10 apples and and that's that's on a good day you know and that I mean that's just common for so many of the rural areas anywhere I mean even I mean I I'm in kind of in the semi-rural area you would call it but I mean it's, it's quickly going to be suburban but still I mean it's either the nearest grocery store is still about 10 miles away either direction so there's you know the dollar general or the gas station and that's what people go to 
Right, uh, right. And that that's the same sort of way they live. You know, it's 12 miles or so to the nearest gas station kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and when you moved back to Houston, you said you bought your house basically by having friends check them out for you. <laughs> we did. We did. So because we had lived here previously, we knew all about H.A.R. And, you know, and I, and I knew this subdivision. I'm not going to say what it is, but yeah. it's the, it's yeah. one of... Yeah, it's one of the largest, oldest, you know, yeah. uh, subdivision out here off 99. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I knew the area, I knew the subdivision, I knew the schools were great here, and we had two weeks. I mean, my husband was leaving Dubai in two weeks to be in the Houston office, and we had the option of staying in Dubai and finishing the school year out, but I had three small kids. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So, um, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out we ended up having to go to Louisiana and stay and I was back and forth between Louisiana and here but yeah we did we we found the house some friends came and videoed it for us and they did an amazing job and we bought it uh, as soon as we landed in Dubai I think from the time we found out we were moving until we closed on the house was like maybe 18 or not closed on the house, but signed the first bit of paperwork was about 18, maybe 20 days. Wow. Uh, and I love the house. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the house. But um, our lot is tiny. I think my backyard is only about 2,500 square feet. Yeah. So it's it's really small. But um, but we're doing the best we can back there. I, that's where I garden mostly. Um, we have builder landscaping in the front. And I've, I've snuck in a few chives and, and thyme and things like that in the bed. Uh, but I've kind of just, you know, kind of just maintain what the landscapers put in in the front and really spend the majority of my time in the back. Um, and you said you had someone come in to build your first garden in the back and that yeah. didn't quite work out as well as you wanted no it didn't and uh so yeah so what I was looking for was I wanted some some boxes I wanted some grow boxes but I also wanted it to be landscaped around to to and that's the thing with me like I can sort of see things in my head and I know what I want but I'm not that great when it comes to you know laying out the lines when I just have a blank space yeah and I, I always end up spending more on it than than what I should have because, you know, I'm changing it to get it to look the way I want it. So I was like, okay, well, these guys know what they're doing, right? They do this all over. And they came highly recommended, but um, it just wasn't really happy with what I got. So it was very specific with what I wanted. I wanted some square foot boxes, and I also wanted them to focus on the landscaping around it being edible as well, but also pollinator friendly. Um, and when they finished, I had three citrus trees, an avocado, an apple, and the grow boxes and they planted different herbs around but there was not one pollinator friendly plant in the garden hmm. and I thought well hmm, you know we've got a lot of work to do so so we just mainly gardens out of the boxes there's three I think they're four by six they may be four by eight I meant to measure them I forgot mm -hmm. but so we have three grow boxes and they're two foot deep I, I didn't want one foot because I didn't 
because again, I'm lazy and I didn't want to have to bend over quite so much. Yeah. Um, and the boxes do really, really well. I'm really surprised. Um, but the landscaping around it, so we lost the avocado tree within probably a month of them putting it in and they never came to replace mm -hmm. it. So we replaced it with a Barbados cherry. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. That is a nuisance to me now because it grows like crazy and we've harvested I just planted this last summer at the beginning of the summer last year and I think we've harvested four times off oh, of it wow it is the most prolific plant of or tree I should say that I've ever had wow. so yeah um, so we replaced that we've added to the lamp Okay, so I will say landscaping for everything that's outside of the bed, um, for the boxes. Mm -hmm. So since then we've added, I think we have 30 blueberries out there and we have them up against the house. So eventually we will, we will um, prune them to look more like shrubs. Right. Um, to be HOA friendly, which the, actually the HOA is not too strict with your backyard as long as, you know, you... you you don't put anything permanent in your easements and things like that. So we really haven't had an issue with the HOA with the back. Um, you can't see it anyway. Right. Um, there's a little bit of our trellises stick up over our fencing, but other than that, that's it. Um, and all the neighbors know we share with the neighbors, so they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. But yeah, so over over the last year, I've just really focused on getting more edibles in. So like I said, we have 30-something uh, blueberries out, yeah, out there. That's a new bed we just put in in the spring. Underneath those blueberries, we're growing strawberries. Okay. Um, on the end of the back of the house, back there, on one end, we have some raspberries, and on the opposite end, we have thornless blackberries. Okay. Different varieties. I probably have two, three different varieties of raspberries. I think there's three different varieties of blueberries, and then um, the blackberries, there's three different varieties there as well. And and they're, they're all, you know, like Apache and Natchez and things like that, you, yeah. you know, your common ones that you find in the um, and then underneath the blueberries, we have, uh, I think we planted 40 strawberries. All right. But unfortunately, strawberries are like one of those things that I don't know what I do, but I killed them. Oh. And so I think we only have 10 left. That was another thing that they, they planted. They did plant some strawberries uh, in the initial uh, beginning of the beds, but none of those made it. Um, they didn't do a great job with the drainage or additional drainage, I should say. We have since fixed that, I think, fingers crossed. We'll have to wait till the rain, but I think we have fixed that now, but we lost all of those strawberries too. So we've added in um, tons of herbs and all sorts of pollinator-friendly plants, milkweeds, coneflowers, black-eyed Susans, um, I'm trying on a blank. Yeah, there's salvia, there's a Mexican uh, sage, firecracker plant. Those are new. Yeah, those, I don't those know. are good. So firecrackers, and then there's another one that's like a Mexican fire something. It kind of looks like a salvia. They're red. Yeah. I know, you know what I'm talking about. I know about. you're talking about, but I can't think of the name at the top of my head either. But yeah. Yeah. So anyway, those are new. We just put those in. Um, we had tons of lantana, and I don't know. I know that lantana is on the list. 
that butterflies like them, but my butterflies do not like them. I never see butterflies on our lantana. So I'm going to leave two, but the rest of them are going to come out. I think I'll probably take out four or five plants. They're just getting really big, and, and as I said, I, the monarchs just don't seem to like them. Um, I see the gulf fritillaries on mine. I don't see the monarchs on them so much, but the gulf fritillaries and sulfurs and things like that sometimes. But Yeah, we have a few sulfurs. Um, I've only maybe one or two gulfs in, in the two years that I've been here. I don't know. I, I've been meaning to look and see what I can do to help them come in. But um, Get a passion vine and you will get the gulf. I, I just sprouted one. I have one that's about three inches tall. So, yeah, we're doing that. All right, that and uh, um, the pipe vine. The Dutch uh, pipe vine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have a pipe vine too, but I haven't really seen any caterpillars. I mean, we get the swallowtails and things like that, but I'm not seeing um, the pipe vine swallowtail. I see a bunch of other swallowtails, so. Yeah, I just want to in what I call my swallowtail area with rue and dill and uh, bronze fennel and parsley and all that good kind of stuff. I think most of that will live through the winter unless we get like a really crazy winter here. Yeah, and you know... <laughs> Our winter isn't really like that bad until maybe February and then we have like two weeks where it's like ah <laughs> right right so do you not the fennel I always wanted to grow it but I'm I don't know how to use it how do you use it I haven't really okay if, I'm, if, if, if I be completely honest with you I don't like fennel at all I planted it specifically for uh, for, for the caterpillars right. yeah for, for the butterflies though yeah, maybe I just needed to do that and just suck it up and take some space. Yeah, the bronze fennel is really pretty too. And if you, normally what I've found is I can have parsley and other things planted, but they really, really like dill and bronze fennel the best. If, you know, their choice, those are the two that they're going to choose. Yeah, I had some swallowtail caterpillars on some dill right when we moved in maybe like the first year, but I've never seen, I haven't been able to find more caterpillars on dill since then. Um, but every year I hope. So maybe this year I planted a ton of dills, um, you know, a few weeks ago. I'm hoping maybe, maybe that'll entice them this year. So yeah, we'll see. Um, and so that's what you've got growing right now. Um, what are your kind of your future goals? How do you want to transform your yard even more? Well, currently we we started a new bed that I put the Mexican sage and, and things in. Um, so I need to build that up. The soil here is just really bad. So I, I think that's my biggest goal is just to keep adding some compost and, and heavily mulch it. I'm starting to move more towards more permaculture type with you know um the different layers of the plant um I, one, one thing that i have found is i have this area where i have like a tra we're trailing rosemary and thyme and if you pull that area back you can literally see the worm casings on top of the soil there oh, wow. so that bit is very healthy so i think here in my garden um especially in the spring um is i'm really going to start trying to add more edibles as ground cover so your oreganos and your thyme and i don't think i need any more rosemary but um but things like that yeah i think that's that's made the biggest difference is this 
heavily mulching and and having the ground covered you know yeah Yeah, I totally I definitely agree I've got some time that kind of goes crazy and I hate I need to trim it back and probably dry it for for use in the kitchen but but I like it too because yeah it keeps the it's a living mulch like you said so yeah, it, it, it's a, it's amazing to, to look at the, the soil that's underneath there. Um, and that one spot seems to grow anything and everything better. Um, I also planted a lemon verbenia there just to sort of fill in some space and sort of, again, um, you know, cast some shade to the soil. Because we do have a lot of earthworms, but they're spotty. And I can tell where, you know, the ground is covered, or if it's not covered, the ground is shaded by one of the trees, that that's, that's where they stay. Mm-hmm. And my problem areas are where, you know, the top of the soil, or I should, it's mulched, but it, it's getting the most heat. And so they're not coming up. Yeah. Um, to really help turn the soil over there. So that that's really what I want to work on this spring. All right, sounds good. Um, I guess where can people follow your garden journey? So I started with the handle Offshore Wife many, many years ago when we started traveling, and I still stick to that because that's where people know me. Um, so I'm on Instagram mostly at Offshore Wife. Um, I used to blog, but it was mostly about traveling. Not really a good blogger. I'm more of a photo blogger. I feel like I always need that photo there to sort of, you know, give people an idea of what I'm talking about because a lot of times I can go off in one direction or the other. So the photo always keep me grounded, I think. All right. So yeah, that's where I found you was on Instagram. And where I'm finding most people these days is is Instagram. I think a lot of people have given up on guard blogging where they blog, you know. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Yeah, it's kind of sad because there used to be tons of gardening blogs and you just don't find them anymore. No, but Instagram is where it's at. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's what people always ask me. Like, you're never on Facebook. I'm like, no, no, I'm on Instagram. That's where my peeps are. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you uh, you wanted to come on the podcast and chat with me, and um, hopefully we can meet up sometime because we're not, you know, but an hour away and find a garden center we can hang out at. Yeah, that would be great. Thanks for inviting me. It's been fun. Yeah. It's been fun. Cool. Well, I'll talk to you later. Okay, Misty. Right. Bye. Bye.